You got your Bibles out? Get your Bibles and we're going we're gonna to get into some good stuff. Can we EQ that? I sound like I'm in a hallway with a pipe on my mouth. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe it's my uh, voice. Oh, hey, did anyone... Um, so what happened, and, and a lot of people didn't know, but if I gave you a word of some sort in there and it clicked with your spirit, then obviously, yeah, Holy Spirit, okay. If it didn't click, which is totally fine and, may, and happens a, a lot, um, it may be you need to pray on that, okay? And I might have totally just missed it. Are you with me? Yeah. And, and that's okay, too. So it's okay. So what, what happened is when we pray for people, you hear the Holy Spirit bring up something. I, I can't remember some of them, but you know, it, it's a number or a weeks or a color or whatever it is. The Holy Spirit brings that up in your mind and you go by faith. Church, is anyone else besides me not perfect? Is anyone, if you don't raise your hand, we're going to, after church, beat, take you out in the alley and beat you just to get you comfortable. But no, we're going to make mistakes. In the Rivers Church, we are called to be a hospital. We're called to be a church that knows God and makes him known. Amen. How do you make God known? By loving, hurting people. By helping people get to know him, right? Are you with me? Yeah. So that wasn't planned. Where Our worship was only planned for 35 or so minutes. But we just kind of went with flow. And thank you, Chris, for doing that with the team and being able just to jump on that. Amen. And good job last week. You guys here last week when Chris spoke? Yeah? yeah. He, did, he did pretty good, huh? Yeah. I listened to him at home. Did you? Awesome. So thank you, Chris, for doing that. And um, a great time in worship, right? A great time. We've been, we've been probably two months talking about worship. And the question is why? Why did we talk so long about worship? It's important, right? It's a big deal. And remember, we talked about worship corporately. That was our focus. It wasn't about, we got good sermons from Pastor Eric, and, and, and we, we, we got reminders of worship in general, because we can worship in any part of our life. But what we, didn't, we talked about and focused on was corporate worship. What happens when we come together here and worship corporately? Because that's a powerful time. A powerful time of when God can move. And so what you saw today was not planned, but it's funny because the Holy Spirit knew what was going on and planned that. He wants to, you to see how church is going to be going and how he wants it. Okay? Right? He wants church to be about coming together, corporately worshiping together, and then the gifts, which we're going to get into in the next several uh, weeks and months, about how you are each one in the body is gifted in a different way. And it's when we come together corporately, we set our hearts and our eyes on Christ, and we start worshiping him that we get rid of all the junk, and then the gifts start bubbling up, and then we start going, oh, I have a word for you. I, I want to encourage you. I have a word of wisdom. I had a, you know, a song. I have whatever. And so we're going to look into those and see, but that's why we come to church, because it's about building up. It's about edification, it's about building people up. Um, the Bible says in, in Ephesians, this just came to my mind, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful to build others up. And if you look into the Greek context of that word, it's talking about completing a house or a building. And so instead of using words to tear down people, we use our words as Christians to build people up, foundation walls, and it talks about completion. 
So our words are to help people be completed in Christ, to come to completion and fullness and wholeness. So we're all broken. We all have holes and gaps in our life where when we come to church, the Holy Spirit is here to repair and fix and strengthen us. And that's really what church is about. And sometimes people come into church and don't know Jesus at all. And that's good. That's where we all start, right? But we're all at these different levels on our journey, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to orchestrate that, and he does that in the context of corporate worship and gathering so we can pray for one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, teach one another. Uh, sometimes we, 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 get, we rejoice with them, and sometimes we cry with them. Sometimes we say, way to go, that's awesome, thank you for teaching me that. Sometimes we say, no, this is wrong, this is what God's word says, we exhort. Sometimes it's tough, but that's the Holy Spirit's job, and that's where we want to go as a church, is to where these ga- this church service and services, and when we grow out of this, this many chairs, we put more chairs up, we go to two services, we're still going to focus and maintain on church being involvement, not just looking. You are going to be participating in service, not just observing service. So if you're coming here just to get a quick feel good, okay, and I'm so thankful for Chris and, and his heart on the, the worship baskets, because, you know, Chris's heart there was that the, the tithe is a holy, it's a holy first tenth of your increase. That's a, ho- that's a holy offering. It's not just, oh, yeah, flippantly give him money. I hope you're not doing that. I hope you're giving your tithe, your first tenth of your increase, the first tenth, as a holy, sacred thing because it is holy unto God. It's specifically set apart for him, even though it all belongs to him. Just like he said, you can eat of every tree except this one. What happens when you touch what you're not supposed to touch? Bad stuff. When you touch the tithe for your own purposes, you're taking what is holy and you're making all the rest unholy. Amen. Yeah, you don't you don't want to go there. Just uh, we can get we'll, we can get into that. We'll teach it. But if you want to, uh, Leanne posted a uh, thing on on her page, and then I think I put it on the rivers. It's a rough one. It'll it'll shake and slap you around, and spit you out. Um, but it's a good teaching, and, it, and there's a lot of stuff you can go in there and look in there. But uh, I like what Chris did because it made. Uh, giving part of our worship expression. It's, a, it's an act of worship, and it's an expression of love. It's an expression of honor to do that. So thank you, Chris, for having that idea and going for it. Awesome. So um, as we transition from worship, corporate worship, I want to transition into um, who the Holy Spirit is. I want to talk about, for several weeks, I'm not sure how long this is going to go, could go all year. I want to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit. And I've entitled the message today, Have You Heard? And we're going to get there in a sec, but I want to transition out of worship because I, I, it's not about reminding us what we just learned, but it's, it's remembering that what we're going to now talk about, Holy Spirit, was all throughout what we just talked about. So as we transition, he is just as much in our worship as he's going to be in the next few weeks. But I want to talk about what we've learned in worship. I want to give you three quick things that's in your notes, but because a lot of you maybe weren't for here on the whole worship series. And if you weren't, would you go back and listen to those, please? Not because I want you to listen to my stuff. I want you to be in sync with the family. So if you didn't get worship, go back and find the ones you didn't and listen to them so you can be in sync with the family learning. Because guys, 
I'm not just randomly getting up here talking about certain subjects just because they sound good that week. Right? I'm praying and asking the, the Father to give me wisdom by the Holy Spirit to talk about key elements that are going to help you and us and me get more in line and fulfill our vision. So the reason we're talking about um, what um, me and Aaron talked about, which was my sermon series on spiritual warfare, and he went back and he started listening to those because he wants to be on page with the family. Okay, And so you're learning stuff, aren't you? And so you got to go back and get on page so that the, the better we work together, the better we're going to functionally move as a whole unit. Are you with me? Yeah. So it's very, very important. And so with worship, we learn three important kind of concepts. One, really quickly, approaching God is a process. We talked about the process of the approach to God, that we can't just, you know, even though we have instant access through Christ to the Father, we live in this world, we live in the flesh, we have bodies that are, are, are constantly giving us trouble. Anyone's body giving them trouble? I don't know, you know, just what, yeah. physical health or, you know, just being tired or, or, you know, the stupid things that you say and you don't, you know, you're out of your mouth. So it's, it's about going from the flesh into the spirit, the journey from your house to the holy hill. For where they lived and they went to the temple in Jerusalem, it was, a, it was an upward approach, a process to get in the presence of God and to prepare ourselves, right? So the best thing we can do in that process is come to church ready. Don't wait to get in his presence when you walk through the doors or Chris starts the worship. Get up, get in the word on Sunday mornings. Take five minutes and get with your spouse and go, hey, let's pray real quick. But, I, but I'm drinking my coffee. Wait, I'm scrambling eggs. It's okay. Let's hold hands. Let's just pray, like, even two minutes. God, we just pray for the service today. Oh, God, move in this service, Lord. Use us as your vessels today, God. Help us. We need you. Come on. That's all you got to say. Just cry out to God. Just tell him what you want. Are you with me? So come ready. So approaching God is a process. Um, number two, it removes hindrances. Worship, corporate worship is about us coming into the melting pot. It's about us getting in the furnace. It's about the fire of God purifying all the junk that doesn't need to be in our heart and in our minds. It kind of filters us out. Remember we looked at the windshield, the bugs on the windshield. Remember that sermon? We looked at the windshield and we saw a clear one and then the bugs. You couldn't see it, but when the sun hit the windshield, all of a sudden you could see all the, all the defects. That's what happens when we get into the presence. All of a sudden the light of God is on us and we're saying, whoa, God, I've got some stuff I got to scrape off or clean out or kick out or are you with me because yeah. we think we look in the window and there's no light and we're like yeah hey, we're pretty good in my nice window i can see where i'm going i'm fine all of a sudden the light of the holy ghost the light jesus is the light of the world you're a light on a hill so that light shines on us and we go oh my look at all them spots right? So it's a, a, a removing hindrances. So worship is about that. Keep that in mind. Because guys, this is important. As we continue to move forward Sunday to Sunday, we can't forget what we learn. Because every Sunday we come and we start singing or worshiping God, that is the main part of service. That's the main part where we get before the throne of God. And we've got to remember that we're constantly in that uh, state of removing hindrances. Number three, really it's all uh, uh, overstating uh, thing, is drawing close and pressing in. So worship is about drawing close to God. It's about being one with him. It's about knowing him intimately. And we saw examples all throughout the Old Testament and the New about drawing close to him. And when we do that, good things happen. And the children of Israel said, Moses, you go. We're afraid. 
you go draw close, we'll stay far away, and then you just tell us what to do. And that is not God's plan. For us, his plan is that through Christ, we enter boldly into the throne room of grace. We, we talk with him. We know him. He lets us know things about him. We get to become more and more like him. You ever saw yourself becoming like someone you hang around a lot? Or you start saying phrases that they say? Or you hang around someone and you say, like, I used to say dude a lot. You know, what's up, dude? You know? And when you hang around those people, that would come up more. If you have an accent, it would do the same thing. It's the same in worship. As we worship more and more and we, and we get closer to God, you'll start noticing traits of God in your life. You'll start noticing that you start talking more like God. You'll start noticing that you start acting more like God. You'll start noticing cool things like your finances getting more like God's. You'll start noticing your relationships being more healthy. You'll notice that you start having good, good and strong boundaries in your life, and you'll stop enabling people in their junk, and you'll stop letting them use you. Are you with me? So when you get closer to God, it's a whole gamut of wholeness. Wholeness is not just health and freedom from disease. Wholeness is everything that salvation contains, which is wholeness, all of it, including disease, including healing from that, but also in your mind and the way you see things. It's a process of becoming more and more like God as we press in and draw close in worship. We become more like him. You can do that here, obviously, but you can do that in the car. Worship. You're having a, a bad day? Praise him. If you're struggling with the past, praise him. If you've got a business decision, you've got money problems, praise him. Get into worship. You get in there and then he will, like Chris said, and, and, and it was on this video that I talked about. Chris said that uh, in Habakkuk, it talked about he'll open up windows. He's going to open up windows for you, right? Right now, we can't see what's going on in the parking lot, Right? There could be, who knows what could be out there right now? Pink elephant? <laughs> An attack? Zombies? I mean, who knows? But God said, if you're faithful with him and you press into him and you walk in obedience, he'll open up a window, help you see in another dimension. Amen. He'll help you see something in that dimension that may help you a lot in here. Like, oh, it's pouring down rain. Maybe I should prepare you know, are you with me? So there's a dimension opener in a window. All right, so next, um, we did that by looking at seven Hebrew words for praise. And I'm not going to go over those, but uh, if you missed them, go back, listen to them, because those Hebrew words gave us clues on how to approach and get in the presence of God and what God wants to do in and through us during worship. So remember, this is all part of our vision here at the Rivers, right? Right? Okay, our vision here. Amen. To know God... And to make him known. Worship is a huge part of that. It actually goes in both parts of the vision. As you uh, know God, as you worship him, you know him personally. And then as you know him in worship, it's easier for you to communicate that message to others, right? As you know him, it's easier to make him known. All right? Our service um, or gathering together, church, and this is going to maybe hurt your feelings, and I'm really sorry, but I forgive you. Our service or gathering together is only as good and as effective as our weakest link. I didn't want to put that in there. In fact, I was like, eh. God's like, no, I like that. Keep that in there. Tell me more, God. Your gathering, your service, your, is only going to be as good and as strong as your weakest link. Oh, okay, God, I, I get that in football, you know. 
if you have a tackle or your lineman, one guy's not as strong and you know, everyone else is doing their job, but one person isn't, that blindside guy can come in and wreak havoc and break down the whole process of the, of the offense of a football team. And that works in many ways. In war, you know, if you have a weak link and there's a breakthrough, that causes havoc, right? How many of you had a weak point in your hedge and the devil's got in your life and caused all kinds of havoc? And you can't, you, you're sick all the time, you're broke, you're, everything's going awry, you can't have a good relationship, you don't, can't find a job. We've all been there, right? Because yep. something broke down in our hedge around our life. So we see that, and then the Lord said this to me, he said, Doug, he said, the hospital is only as good as the staff. And I was like, okay, I can draw some stuff from that. <laughs> so God has called us to be a hospital, a spiritual hospital, we are to be ready and prepared for people to come in those doors that are spiritually sick and need Jesus. They need to be saved, but they need to be renewed and discipled and taught how to live like God and to know God. Amen? So if the better hospital staff we have, the better we're going to be at effective at doing our job which our job is to go make disciples of all nations, preach the gospel, repent and baptize and disciple people, help them know God, because if they don't, they're going to hell. Are you, are you with me? That's our big job, right? That's the obvious one everyone knows. But in a hospital, you have doctors, nurses, staff, greeters, every part of the hospital working together to make the best they can at what they do. And we need to do that. We need to make sure that each of you in this room, this church cannot be about pew sitting or chair sitting. This is not about checking in, checking out. You're not a Christian because you showed up today. Right? You're not a Christian just because you go to church. Right? That does not make you a Christian. For success, everyone has got to love, serve, and give. If we want to make it. If we want to just continue with what we got and never grow and never be effective and never see people saved and healed and delivered, just show up and do your best and whatever. Everybody's got to give. Everybody's got to love. And everybody's got to find a place to serve. This is a body, not a resort. This is a body. Every part, Paul says, of the body, you need every part. Try going without the part of your body that you really need and see how that works. That's what happens. Paul makes it very clear. When you don't do your gifting and your part of the body, you make the body suffer and it's weaker. Are you with me? And I know this, I don't want this to sound condemning, but sometimes a coach has got to say, look, we need to change it up here. We need to all find it. And and again, in this, I'm not saying that you, you guys know what you're doing. And I'm not saying that you need to do more than what you're doing. But each person, every person that calls us their church has got to be at peace with God knowing that they're doing their role and doing their part of it, right? And there's the balance there. Some people can do one thing. Some people can do more than one thing. Some people are busy in life with kids and some people are not. Some people are older, younger. Wherever season you're at, you've got to get with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, what do you want me doing? What is my place in this body? How am I going to serve? Are you with me? Are you still, still like me okay? Okay, good. Oh, yeah. All right. So, remember in 2018, first Sunday, we talked about grow, right? And the G stood for give. And give of what? Time, talents, treasures. 
So we talked about growing because we talked about the fact that if we want to be successful in 2018, here's what's got to happen in our body, our church, right? Every person has to, number one, if we want to grow in 2018, we got to give. Give her time, talent, treasure. I'm not just repeating these real quick. Number two, repent and reach. We talked about two R's. It was a grow, 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 right? Not just grow, grow, grow. So <laughs> repent and reach. Repent, keeping an attitude with God of saying, God, I need, I need continual repentance with you to stay right with you, but also reaching, reaching out to your communities, reaching out to your families, reaching out in love, right? Yeah. The O was what? I need to work on my sermons because no one's remembering nothing. Oh. oh, who said that? She's like guessing. <laughs> Obedience? <laughs> yeah, woo. Thank you for guessing. Obey. Obey the Holy Spirit. We talked about if we're going to grow in 2018, you've got to obey the Holy Spirit when he prompts you to do stuff, when he prompts you to go to outreaches with the homeless, or whether you're giving a meal to someone, or going over in love and giving someone a hug, or doing whatever he tells you to do, uh, invite that person to church. You've got to go do it, like Skip did. Pray for the girl at your business, and she got healed. You've got to obey the Holy Spirit so that that will work, and we will grow because that's what works. When, when we obey God... Good things happen. Okay? The last one was, yay, everyone does that. Worship. So we worship God with everything we've got. And because of what we do in here, guys, when people see enthusiastic, contagious worship, they get excited. They want that. Most people don't know it yet, but they're really in love with God. They just aren't aware. They don't know how it looks. And you know what triggers that? Is when they walk in and they see a whole group of people just sold out, not caring what anyone thinks around them, but just getting excited about God. That triggers that heart thing, and all of a sudden their heart tingles and starts doing funny stuff, and then they start having thoughts, weird thoughts about like, oh, I, I wish I knew God, and I kind of want to know God, and I wonder what happens to me when I die, and wait, I, I've heard stories about you. Are you with me? So it's the worship. It's, it's all heart, heart out worship, everything in worship, um, reckless, right, Chris? Reckless worship that gets people to go, oh, I want that. It's contagious. C.S. Lewis said, joy is contagious. All right, so to do this amazing task, we need an amazing Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Yeah. So we need an amazing Holy Spirit. And to carry out our vision, to know him and to make him known, we need the Holy Spirit to help us in every aspect. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look into the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, who is he, what does he do, how does he work, when, why, all those questions we're going to dive into and see what we come up with. So we're going to be a lot of the time in Acts, we're going to be a lot of time in the Gospel of John, we're going to be a lot of times in First and Second Corinthians and Romans to see what this, why was it so important. And so I, I, I named this sermon, Have You Heard, because... When I was 16, I asked that same question, and someone said, basically, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I said, no, I actually haven't. And so when I read this and turned to um, Acts 19, in Acts 19, the same question is asked to a group of disciples that were coming through the city of Ephesus some 20 years after Christ had ascended. Paul was on his third missionary journey trip, 
And these 12 disciples, 20 years after the, the message has been going out and stuff had been happening, they came and they met him, and we're going to pick that up in 19, verse 1. So read, uh, I'll read and we'll follow along. And it happened while uh, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the island country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Verse 5, and on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. So we have this gift. Now we're going to get more into that in tongues at a, at a different date. But this is referring back to Acts chapter 1 and 2 where the Holy Spirit fell on them and laid, and, and laid a foundation of how, what this was going to look like and what the Holy Spirit was doing. So in your notes there, I put, it's, it is possible to believe in the Lord Jesus and not have received the Holy Spirit. Oh my. I believed in Jesus from the third grade chapel service at a Christian school I went to in Yorba Linda, California. I was at chapel and they gave an altar call and I was in the back, no pressure. I was probably eight or so, nine, whatever I was. And I, I want this thing, Jesus. I, this is good news. So I went down to the altar, gave my heart to the Lord. But I didn't know the Holy Spirit did anything else. He sure drew me, didn't he? He drew me and I believed in my heart that God sent Jesus and that Jesus died on the cross and, Jesus, and God raised him up from the dead in new life. And now because of that act, I can be, come before God clean and be in heaven, really, right? When at, that, at that age, you're like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in on that one. You know, a lot of Christians or churchgoers, I say Christians, churchgoers, Americans, because a lot of people think they're in America, they're Christians, right? So I say a lot of those people believe in God. A lot of those people think they're Christians, but are they really? Do they, can you believe in God and not be a Christian? Well, yeah, you can. James 2.19 says this, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So here you have a demonic being, a total against God person, that believes in God. So I would say and conclude that belief is just not enough. So let's read that verse in context. That verse is found in James 2.19. So let's go a few verses before and see what James is talking about. Verse 17, James says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So two things working together. Then 19 is, if you believe God is one, do you do well? The demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is 
useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the message and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Wow. You know, I think a lot of people walk around thinking they are good with God and they are not good with God. And church, that's why the Bible says in the last days, many false teachers and teachings will come out and, and, and lure people away from the true gospel message. In fact, Jesus said, many will say to me on the last days, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus goes on to say, I never knew you. Depart from me you workers of iniquity. So wait, you're telling me that these people, they weren't lying because Jesus would have just said, you're lying. You didn't do all those things. So they were telling the truth. These people actually prophesied, worked operation of the spiritual gifts. They cast out demons. They exercised spiritual authority and power, right? Not many people cast out demons, okay? That's not a very common thing in our today. And then it says, and they do many mighty works, they built big churches. They might have had big healing things. An arm might have grown out. They might have seen all kinds of great, mighty miracles, but they didn't know the Lord. How, does this, how is this possible? How can you do that? It just boggles my mind sometimes. And it makes me think of those people today in America, and there's a lot of them, that think they know God, but they don't know God. They think they're good. They think they're a Christian because they believe. And they listen to a preacher say, just invite him in your heart and you're good. That's all you got to do and you're eternally saved. We need the Holy Spirit, right? Don't get, get, get me going. Don't get me going, T. We need the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, we need the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives to help us be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We have to have the Holy Spirit in us, helping us do the word. Because if you believe and there's no action to it, it's dead. You've got to put action to it, church. If there's, Jesus said, you'll tell my disciples by their fruit. You'll be able to tell who's a, you know what the word Christian means? Christ-like one. Christ-like ones. That's what the word. They started calling them Christians because a group of guys were sitting there kicking rocks and said, hey, look at that guy over there that's acting like Jesus act. Let's call them Christ-like ones, Christians. That's how they got the word. And we today need to be Christians not because we believe it or say it or declare it. We need to do it because we look like Christ. We are acting like Jesus in our lives, in our private lives, in our uh, external lives, at work, home, wherever it is, people need to look at us and go, 
you have got to be a person like that Jesus person because when I talk to you and when I see you, you're doing things like him all the time. Is that not, are you with me? Is it kind of challenging? Like, oh, crud, I better get with it. I think that. I mean, look what Jesus did. And then he said, we're going to do even greater things than he did. Let's get busy. So in order to even come close at all, we need Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit activated in our lives. Okay? So I want to talk today with a little foundation about the Holy Spirit. In your notes, it says, we are in the ministry era of the Holy Spirit. So by that, we know that the Old Testament was the ministry time of the Father. Okay? Then on the Gospels, we see Jesus' time on earth was the ministry of Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Christ isn't his last name. It's Jesus the Christ or the Messiah. And then now, from the day of Pentecost, 50 days, which is coming up in a few weeks, after the resurrection, 50 days later, began the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the era of the Holy, era of the Holy Spirit, which is, he is fully God. We're going to talk about that more too, but he's not just some second with God. The Trinity. Really, you know, let's, let's talk about that for a few days, right? So, God, the Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Father. So we're talking about a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about where this is, it's not that the Father and Jesus are active or non-active, but it's that the Holy Spirit's ministry now is living in us and on us, okay? So remember in um, Acts, we're going to look at Acts a little bit here today in, in, the, in John, but Acts is the beginning of church, Right? And I want you to write, I may have put it in there, but it's infancy. Church, the church started in Acts chapter 2, right? So the church began. So Acts is a story of little baby church. And I don't mean, I'm not teasing that, but because it's going to come back on us and bite us because it bit me. So if that was the infancy church, where should our church be 2,000 years later, Amen. right? We're, uh, I'm not going to say we are, I'm speaking from, I'm not there. I'm still baby gaga my tummy. <laughs> Compared to what I see in Acts. But I'm, I'm making a bigger point to make us see a perspective that the church began, so it's the beginning, right? Now, check this out, what actually uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, says in chapter 1 of Acts. He says, in the, in the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt, Luke, the book of Luke, he's talking about, I have dealt with all that Jesus began. Underline began, highlight it, double-click, Smiley faces. Smile. Yeah, you're supposed to smile. Smiley. There you go. Smile face. All that Jesus began. Oh, and this is where it gets scary. So Jesus began to do and teach. So if he began it, is it still going? Right. So it should be going. Who should be going on from the beginning? Thank you. You and me, 
should be carrying out what Jesus started. So Jesus began to do and teach. And he continued that through the disciples. And then through the disciples preaching, continued to the next generation. And then to all as far off as that would believe. If you look in the Acts chapter 2 at the end, it talks about that this promise is for not only the people there, but for all of those, the yous and me's, 2,003, whatever years later, that would believe. So it was the beginning. And check this out. If we were, if they were beginning, Jesus began, began something new and were to continue that on, look what he said in John 14, 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And now, reading that familiar verse that we've all heard, in regards with Acts chapter 1, saying that he began something that we should be walking in the completion thereof, makes us think about what we're doing and how we're doing it and what we need to do it better. Amen? Thus, the Holy Spirit comes in. He's the enabler. He's the one that helps us do it. So now, down in 17, in uh, chapter 17, Jesus says that it's not just for the disciples, but for all who believe. Remember Jesus' prayer in the end of John talks about that all these things, 14 through 17, he's talking about all these things are for all that who will believe, including you and me. So this scripture is for you. You can take that scripture and own it, right? How many of us would like to do that, but maybe not because it's a hard thing to do? A little intimidating, right? Well, it is until you get the dunamis, until you get the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. Then it's a whole different ballgame of what God can do through you. Church, I believe that we will walk in the intended power that God wants us to walk in. Do you think that God's going to settle for anything less? Do you think that God's going to settle for us being an average church, just barely making it, getting some people saved? I don't think that's not God at all. I think God, as we allow him in our life, will have us walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit. Baby church, Acts, 2,000 years ago. The Rivers Church, 2,000 years later. We got some work to do, right? I want to get there. I don't know how bad you want that, but that's probably my biggest desire in life is to get myself more and more in line with God and the church that I attend, I want to bring as many people with that as I can because I want us to do it. But the, the, the crazy thing about it is it can only be done together. It's not individually made. In fact, you could be the most spiritual person, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're not working within the context of the body. That's where I talked about weakest link thing, right? We all need to step it up. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, can you step it up a little? Come on. In love, in love. Brad's like, I'm not saying nothing to my mom, man. No way. Uh Uh-uh, I ain't going there. All right, so let's look at two main workings of the Holy Spirit. I want to get this as a foundation for our series. So, Number one, the first thing that the Spirit does is to be born of the Spirit. New birth. So this work of the Holy Spirit 
is really technically for the sinner. God draws all people unto himself. Without the Spirit of God drawing us to God, we would never, never turn to him. He loved us way before we chose him or loved him, right? So without that, the Spirit draws us. So John 3, 3 says this, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you must be born again. So the rebirthing process, the conviction of sin, all that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is the Spirit that comes, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within, okay? In your notes, within, the Spirit within. Because there's two distinct, separate workings of the Holy Spirit in the, in the believer. First is within, you're getting saved, okay? So John 14, 15 gives us a little picture of that. John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Can we stop there and go, oh my. Wait, 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 wait. My love for you, God, is based on if I'm keeping your commandments. So is the converse true? If I'm not keeping his commandments, I say in that that I'm not loving you? You look back on your life when you were messing up. I do, and I go, where was my fear of God? And I have to look back and say, obviously, it wasn't there. I was doing my own thing, what I wanted to do. And I think, man, our love shows, that's a whole other thing, but he said it. It's just so hard to read Jesus' words and just read over them and not say anything about them, right? I mean, they're so powerful. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. We're going to look into that word probably next week or the week after. To be with you forever. And the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he was with them. The spirit of God was on Christ, right? And if we want to pause real quick and talk about Jesus, right? So he, was, he had the spirit within because he was born spiritually, right? He was born of Mary, but he was born of the seed of God. So he was fully spiritually God and fully man. So to the disciples, he said, you will, he's with you now, spirit. Soon the spirit will be in you. Okay, remember that. Now, in, uh, when Jesus appears to the disciples, um, and later on um, in John, or yeah, in John, I didn't write down the thing, but I think it's the last chapter, verse 19, he says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Remember this story, right? He's been to the cross. He's been to hell, got the keys. He's ascending. Now he's talking to people, right? He's appearing to the disciples. He says, peace be with you. When, they, when he said this, he showed them the hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Okay? What Jesus began to do, he just passed you and me the baton and said, now you go. As the Father sent me to do this work, now I am sending you to do the work that I was on, carry that work on, and do that with the world. Right? So he's sending you. Even so, I am sending you. In verse 22, he says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is before Pentecost, right? After the ascension. He's risen from the dead, and Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they got a new spirit inside. 
Their spirit and the Lord's spirit became one. Romans says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So at that moment, they were saved. They already believed. They'd seen him risen from the dead. They believed in their hearts, and he breathed on them, and they received it in. They were born again, verse 22. And that's one of the main workings of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings new life, brings eternal life, brings the born-again experience Everyone must be born again if you want to enter into heaven. You must confess the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, repent, turn from sin, and you will be born again. So the second work of the Holy Spirit is the baptism in the Spirit. So this is where the Holy Spirit is put upon you. Two distinct works. So wait, 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 wait. Doug, you're telling me that I got saved, but I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I'm saying you had the Holy Spirit within, but you did not have the Holy Spirit upon. That's what I'm saying. Oh, in fact, that's what the Bible's saying. Okay, I'm just saying what the Bible's saying. So when you're born again, the Spirit lives in you. But the Spirit upon you is different. So remember, he breathed on his disciples. Were they saved? Do you think they were saved then when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit? Okay, now, if they would have died somehow, you know, rock fell on them or something, and they died, would they have gone to heaven? Why? They were saved, born again, they had spirit, God, okay. But were they, did they have the, were they baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? Not yet, because another 50 days or whatever. So they were saved, but not endued with power. So the second work, Holy Spirit put upon. So think within and upon. Jacket, robe. So Luke 24, 19 says this. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed, endued, surrounded, saturated with power from on high. So check this out, church. He's telling people to basically stay in a city, basically hide out, because they were, they were serious business. They just, their leader got killed. So they were afraid. People were persecution, all that stuff. They didn't know what to do. So Jesus, the God-man, said, don't do anything. You stay put until you get the, the, the jacket that I'm bringing. Because without this Superman jacket, you can't do nothing. So don't you dare try and go out and do anything without the jacket. You need the jacket. You need to be clothed. Were they unsaved? Did they rebel? Were they in sin? No, they were saved. But they weren't empowered. Listen to what our own theological book for Foursquare says. They do a good job. They say this in the Foundation of Pentecostal Theology. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is a definite experience subsequent to salvation whereby the third person of the Godhead comes upon the believer to anoint and energize him for, ser- for special service. This experience is designated in the New Testament as the Spirit falling upon, coming upon, or being poured out upon the yielded believer in a sudden and supernatural manner. Okay? That's our Foursquare Church doctrinal book that we stand on as Foursquare people. 
And uh, I happen to agree with this a lot. And it's the word, and it's true. So we see this. Now look at, Jesus even alluded to this concept because this is important, guys, because have you ever heard? You may have heard and gotten saved, but you never heard about the endowment of power. And we got to know that. You may be filled with both, so you're kind of thinking, oh, this, I, this isn't really helping me at all. But you need to know how to explain this and help people understand so that they can get the power. Because I didn't even have a clue. You know why? Because my church growing up, they never talked about Acts chapter 2. They didn't get into whole, the 1 Corinthians 14, 15, 16. They didn't talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't know what they were. It's still my responsibility. Ignorance doesn't make me uh, excused. Right? Do you think when you stand before God, you can say, oh, I didn't get to that chapter, God. Sorry. So, you know... <laughs> Just forgive me now, right? Yeah, come on, you're a loving God. So ignorance does not excuse you from knowing the Lord. That's why I keep saying, and I hope you're sick of it. I hope you're so sick of it, you start doing it. Get in the Word. Read your Bible every day. Make it part of your life, morning, noon, and night. Get it in your head. Write it on your mirrors. Put it on sticky notes in your car. Memorize it in your, in your heart so that you won't sin against God. Get the word of God because the more word you get in you, the more you're going to be like God. You want anointing? Get the word in you. The word is the anointing. You want more anointing in your life? Get more of the word in you. Do it every day. All right, so Jesus gives us a glimpse of this in his teaching in the Gospel of John about within and upon. Let's look at him real quick. So in uh, John 4, 4, Jesus talking about the spirit within, and Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I'm giving them will never be thirsty, for the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. So it's that internal spring become in him a spring. Think about that. Think about the Spirit of God living in you with unlimited resource. Unlimited life-giving resource from the moment you believe for eternity you have the life source of God, the never-dying battery, the never-losing-any-power battery in you always able to give you everything you need for life and godliness. That's amazing. I don't know how anyone could pass that up. So we see Jesus talking about the Spirit within. And many times um, when I prayed for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll talk and say things like, hey, it's going to feel like it's bubbling up. Because the Spirit's within, and, as you, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you get clothed with power, like our foundation of Pentecostal theology said, in a, the experience is a designated uh, 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 what do they say? Uh, this experience is a designated New Testament as falling upon or coming upon. It's a subsequent to salvation, and it comes upon to anoint and energize. So it's a sudden thing. It's done by faith, just like you receive the, the Lord, walk in him, Paul says. So the same way we received and we believed, we believe for the baptism. It's the same thing. You know everything you do with God's about faith, right? You're, everything you're doing, you're going to have to have faith. There's no part of working with God where you, you can't get away from just not having faith, right? From, be, from the first believing um, to believing for a miracle to giving your offering or your tithe. That is an act of faith. So you need faith. So let's look at the, we looked at spirit within, let's look at spirit upon, and we'll be wrapping up here pretty quick. Um, spirit upon. So in John 7, a few chapters later, 
Jesus says this on the last day of the feast in John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as of yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So notice, I want you to notice that it says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You know, churches sometimes get so inward focused that life stops flowing out. And it's interesting because when, when we as individuals or church get so focused on inside stuff, we lose our focus and we stop being the Christ-like ones God wants us to be. You know that when you turn in and you start complaining about stuff, you start, the lights aren't this, the windows, the music's this, the food's this, the things that, uh, we're, we're all, oh, this, this, I don't like these songs, whatever. We get inward, we turn inward and we start criticizing and nitpicking and, and that's opposite of what God's called us to do. He's called us to be, have a spirit within us and then as the spirit comes upon us that rivers of living water would flow from us so that we become a vessel. A ministry flows outwards. Churches become too focused inward, and they forget that it's not about you. Church is about others. And when we get too focused in, and we're not doing the things of God, the church will shrink and die. But when we get our eyes off of ourselves and all our little problems and things we want to criticize and critique, and we start getting them on Jesus, then we start growing and expanding because the love of God, that's how God works. Can I do one more example of that? You want to see one more example of in and upon? Is that okay? Yeah? Are you sure? You, know, you can say no. It's fine. No? Who said that? I almost should stop. But let's, well, Acts 8, and we'll, we'll close with this. So Acts 8 is a good one. And you can meditate on this a portion more, but the, there's some cool things in here. This is about Philip. Remember Philip? Was Philip a disciple? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Oh, a disciple, yeah. So he was a disciple, but was he one of the 12 disciples? No, he wasn't an apostle. Good, good point. So Philip was just a Job disciple? Something, right? I, but this is good because a lot of people go, well, the Holy Spirit and all those gifts, they were just for the apostles and only they did it, and it was just to establish the church in the beginning, and all that stuff's fallen away now. You know that's a very well-taught thing now. Okay, So you got to be ready to give an account for the hope of glory that's in you and preach and teach other people. So I want you to be feeling confident so that you can teach someone this, speak truth to them. So thank you. Hallelujah. So verse 5, chapter 8 of Acts, Philip went down into the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them to Christ. And check this out. And the crowds, say crowds. crowds. Now that's, we have maybe have a crowd here. Yeah. Pretty, pretty darn close. <laughs> or, or more, right? So this could be crowds or it could be crowds. 100,000 people, okay. So crowds. So 
He went down and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Oh, that's so Are you with me there? Do you guys want signs in your life? I mean, how many of you, when you pray for something, you want them to get healed? And it was the crowds. So we, we give this evangelistic outreach and they were on every word Philip said because of the Holy Spirit's power working through him. So that's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to start seeing miracles in your life. You're going to start th- seeing things happen. Why? Just because he did that? No, because he wants the word of the gospel out. Right. right? It's going to support what he wants. So they paid attention to what was said by Philip when they heard, heard him and saw the signs that he did. For, and it goes into detail here to tell him what he was doing because it was that important. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. Many. How much is many? Is it more than a few? So out of 10 people, how many would many be? I just, I really don't know, and I'm not trying to get an answer. Right? It's not a trick question, but... 64%. Yeah, right. Thank you. (laughs) It's settled, 64%. But it's a lot of that 10 or 100. So I'm thinking if there's a crowd and many of you guys got healed or got free from a spirit, that would, that would fill in there, right? It's a lot, or maybe even most. So I want, and maybe even the majority. And so I want you to know this because back then the gospel just started And all these people had to deal with spiritual entities to get them cast out from their lives. Why do we think today that's not needed or happening? Yeah, that's a great question. And if you listen to my first series I did when we got here, we just scratched the little surface, just a little bit. That's for another day. But I want you to know that this, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice, and many of them have had them, was a part of the crowd listening to Philip. He wasn't a great speaker. The crowd listened to him because the Holy Spirit was upon him in dunamis, dynamite power, where he could go and get people free from the bondage that was in their life. That's a powerful evangelical tool, right? I'm just, this is what the Bible says. And many, again, many, who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So now we have two minis in one thing. So we have many people getting free from unclean spirits, many people who are paralyzed and lame being healed. How much is two minis in one deal? (laughs) Too many, right? So there's a lot. And I only want that to expand your mind. I hope the Holy Spirit speak into your heart right now. Getting your faith is arising and exploding in your heart. Oh, and then it ends with this. Verse 8. So there was much joy in that city. I would agree. Guys, this little story is not even the main point, but it's the product of the Holy Spirit upon you. Upon you. Not just in you. In you is foundational to the upon you. You can't have in you. You can't have upon you until you have in you. Right? Okay. 
Now go down to verse 12 because it shows us the, the, what happened with these people that believed. So verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they were baptized. They committed to Christ. They believed in their heart, right? They believed, all right? Go down to verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so they'd received the word, were they saved? Are you sure? Yeah, they were saved. They received the word. They believed. They were baptized. Now, when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that the Samaritan had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, being saved, spirit within. Then they laid hands on them, and they all received the Holy Spirit. Okay? So two distinct works, and that's... There's a couple more stories that we could do in Acts. We won't, but um, these are showing us about in and upon. And there's one thing I want you to leave today with is that the understanding, Holy Spirit. We're going to spend some weeks on getting to know the Holy Spirit, how he works. But we have to know as believers that the Spirit comes within at salvation and upon in power. We'll talk about that too. Dynamite power upon us. And that's something we have to wait for and Seek on to do. It's a second act. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at age 16, when spoken tongues, I was so excited, and my life changed. My reading the word changed. My whole perspective changed. I told one of my good friends, and he got mad at me because he thought I was saying, because he was a Christian, Nazarene. Dad was a Nazarene pastor, and they don't believe in that. And so they, he thought I was saying, oh, I'm better than you because I got the baptism. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just, no, it's just, I didn't know about it, and someone told me about it, and wow, like, you should do this, like, this is awesome, God's real, and it just, it increased my faith and everything so much, and I was so bummed out that he took it the negative way, and it was like, man, but people don't know. That's why I label this series, have you heard? Because I'm telling you, Christians need to hear, and some of us Christians need to hear it again. Because it's not about just, oh, I got baptized, and then just do whatever you want. No, it's about a growing relationship with the Holy Spirit, his ever-increasing anointing on you. Amen? Um, Chris, would you jump up and uh, guitar, and just and I want us to pray, and we're just going to ask God to close this service, but um, just want to spend a few moments waiting on the Holy Spirit. So would you bow your heads with prayer uh, in prayer with me? And Father God, we thank you for your powerful word. We thank you, God, that you are a God who didn't leave us alone. When you left, Father God, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you a helper. And Lord, we are so thankful that you sent the Holy Spirit, and we want to know more of you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence and your power to just fall right now upon us, God. Holy Spirit, descend upon us now, just like you did for those long ago. Do now, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you fall upon us? Would you fall upon us and anoint us, saturate us, Lord, and do us with your power, O oh God. Father, for we desperately need you in this day. We desperately need you to fight the things of this world. Oh God, we need you to proclaim the gospel. If there's anyone here today that would say, Pastor Doug, I, I, I heard you today, but 
I've never had the spiritual born-again experience. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you've never had the Holy Spirit come inside of you and give you a new heart, if you've never done that, today is your day. And so if that's something you feel like the Lord wants you to do today, to give your life to Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn from the world and turn to Him, if that's you, would you raise your hand up and I'm going to pray with you? Is there anyone here today that say, yep, that's me, Pastor. I want to I want to be born again. I want the Spirit within. I want the Spirit within. Spirit within. Anybody here today, is that you? Is that you? I want the Spirit within. I've never been born again. I know a lot of you are, but I want to give everyone a chance in the room. I want God living in my heart. Is that you? I want you to raise your hand up. And then I would ask also if, You've never had the Holy Spirit upon you. You've never had the Holy Spirit upon you. And you want that today. And maybe you're a little leery. Maybe you thought you've already done it, but you're not sure for some reason. And you've never asked in faith, believing, for the Holy Spirit who was already in your heart, but you're asking for that second act of power to come upon you like they did in the church in Acts and later throughout history and you want that I want you to raise your hand up if that's you anyone here this morning I see that hand anyone else this morning I want the Holy Spirit's power on me I want to be baptized I see your hands anyone else Anyone else? I want the power of the Holy Spirit on my life. I've never been baptized in the Spirit. Father, you see the hands that are raised. And what we're going to do, church, is we're going to believe in faith. The Bible says you receive from God by faith. By faith, you are justified. And so as you believe God for this gift, this is a gift. This is a gift from God of His Holy Spirit. He wants this on you more than anything. And once you've received this gift by faith, your life will change. You will have boldness like you never had before. You will be able to speak to people like you've never spoken before. If you feel like it's hard for you and you're shy and you can't speak to people about Jesus, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He will give you the power and the words to say. If you're afraid to pray for people to be healed of sickness or disease, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to give you power and authority to do that. So as we pray for you that raise your hands, you're going to receive this by faith. And from this day forward, you will have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, means you are now able to speak in tongues. And that will come as you press in and ask for it. Every person that is baptized in the Holy Spirit now has that ability to pray in the Holy Spirit and will be able to speak in other tongues. And that may be instantaneously. And it may be a few weeks later. 
because it took me two months when I did it because I was trying to figure it out with my head and God had to slap me around for two months until I got, oh yeah, I get it. But it's a welling up within to a bubbling out of an overflowing in your, in your life. So Father, we thank you for those that have raised their hand. And so now we just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for those that have raised their hand. And just start praying with me, church. All you, all you that are, are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to start praying in the Spirit right now. That means tongues. Not loud, just, just start speaking in tongues. Just start praying. We're just going to anoint those that pray. So just pray with me, guys. Come on. Come on, church. This is involvement. Start praying. Start praying.